I'm Victoria, and this podcast is all about running, marathon training, and run coaching. It is packed with useful tips to help you grow as a runner. I am a 13-time Boston qualifier and mom of two who started running as an adult. I learned a lot on my journey, and in 2014, I launched an online run coaching business to help other runners. Now, we employ several run coaches and are one of the largest online run coaching companies. We teach you the secrets to reaching your potential in the sport of running. We give real talk discussing personal stories of injuries, setbacks, and PRs. Think of this as a conversation with serial marathoners who share the lessons that we learned along the way. This is the Run for PRs podcast. Today we are doing the Ask the Coaches podcast again. So this one has become more of a regular one. It's where we pull you guys on Instagram and we see what sort of questions you guys have for us. And then we go on to the podcast later that day and answer the questions. So this week we had a few questions come in and I'm just going to go over them so that you know in advance what they're going to be and maybe you can skip around to the question that you want to have answered in this podcast episode. So the first question we had was, if you feel like garbage the day after your long run, is it better to do your easy run the next day or should you just skip it? So this person basically wants to know, is it okay to run after a long run if you're feeling super fatigued? And we'll go over the details as to what is okay and what isn't okay to run through and maybe what it's normal to feel like after a long run versus how you know if you overdid it. Um, the next question is, how do I not feel dizzy after a really hot race? So this person did a half marathon and it was 80 degrees at the finish. And she just wanted to know, like, how can I avoid getting to that point where I started getting dizzy or nauseous? She said she took the pace easy, but she still felt um, a little dizzy at the end of the race. So we're going to go into kind of some heat acclimation, talking about some tips to run in the heat and also training in the heat. Um, the next question came in, since all of your coaches at Run for PRs, we have 10 coaches here, have already accomplished so much with their running careers, what is next in terms of future goals? So we're going to be chatting a little bit about how to stay motivated. Um, maybe if you kind of reach some of your goals and you are thinking about getting to the next level, but also you feel like it's so far away. So sometimes people reach that point where like they don't get any faster. Um, people who maybe have been running for like 20 years and they're in their fifties. Um, it's just kind of, you reach that point where maybe your fastest times are behind you. Um, and I know coach Jason has done, um, he was a miler in in college so just chatting a little bit about how you know as you're approaching 40 obviously you're not going to be able to hit that mile pr ever again and so part of that is a little sad kind of letting go of like okay i'm never going to be that fast again but at the same time you're still able to set goals and achieve things that you've never done before in your life um the next question is for people who do run walks um, what is your easy pace? So does it mean that you're supposed to average that pace over the course of your run walk? So let's say you're supposed to be doing 12, 13 minute pace for your um, easy days and you do some like run walks in there. This person wants to know, should I be averaging 
12 minute pace with the walk breaks mixed in or should I be doing my run portions at like 10 minute pace and then um, walking to lower that average and we'll kind of go into detail about that and then the next question is how to transition from the 5k 10k training to marathon training Um, because they really had this breakthrough with their 5k time um, over the last couple months they've been working they got their 5k time down from like 23 minutes to 22 minutes she's in her 40s and she just does not want to lose the speed that she worked really hard for obviously i wouldn't want to either Um, she's done eight marathons before and now that she's transitioning to doing a marathon later this year she wants to know how can i maintain my speed and make sure like i don't slow down because when i transition out of the marathon again I want to still have that speed um, but she says that like in the past marathon training has kind of slowed her speed down so we're going to talk about some ways that you can keep that speed um, and be successful in both distances there so kicking things off with diving back into that first question about feeling like garbage the day after a long run I think we have all been there right so marathon training is a huge stress on the body um, and it's supposed to be a stress right so it's supposed to be um, the right amount of stress because what happens when your body is under stress is that it triggers this adaptation response and so Jason what is important when it comes to the stress load of the long run and how do you know if maybe this athlete is overdoing it yeah um, you know when we think about time on your feet we just want our muscles and our cells and all that to um, have to utilize energy and I think that depending on what that athlete's week weekly totals look like and how they're feeling there's always room to make adjustments you might need to um, bump your workout bump your long run or um, run a shorter long run do a cutback week and then you can um, alter the plan going forward the following week Right, definitely. I mean, there's different grades of soreness too. There's like that little fatigue where you wake up and you're like, oh, I don't really want to run. And then there's that soreness that like you physically can't walk. Um, and so kind of walk me through what you would do for an athlete who gets up after their long run and they literally feel like they cannot physically go on a run. Yeah, a lot of times for my athletes, you know, we, we purposely schedule that rest day the day after the long run just so they're not having to go out and and try to do a run. And I always recommend at least getting in a walk just to generate some blood flow. And, um, you know, at a certain point, you'll start to introduce some easy, shorter runs the day after the long run. And I think um, if it just was that, that extensive of a, of a, um, of a run for you where you just feel that stiff, that sore, it's best to wait a day and then try again, just doing a little shakeout. Um, And obviously, you know, doing dynamic stretching and drills before you run can help as well. Right. I love how you talked about the blood flow, like doing some of those dynamic uh, stretches and then even just going on a small walk can really help with the blood flow promotion. And I know that's what a lot of those um, like recovery boots will do or compression socks. They're supposed to help with the blood flow, which in term in turn helps with the recovery process. But I do think that it's relatively normal for you know, even an athlete that's been running for seven, five to seven years for after a long run to, to feel a little fatigued. But I do think that there are, um, some things that maybe exacerbate the fatigue. So I think if you're not doing your long runs at the appropriate pace and you're maybe pushing it, you're going a little bit in that gray zone, you're maybe going to feel more fatigued the following day. So Jason, what are some signs that someone maybe is running their long run at an inappropriate pace and doing maybe more damage than they need to be doing? Yeah, good question. You brought up a great point of just um, running at the incorrect pace. Um, I think during the run, you know, checking in 
and evaluating how you're feeling on a scale of one to 10. You know, if it's supposed to be an easy long run, the effort should be no, no higher than a seven by the very end of the run. You still want to keep it easy. And, um, you know, if it is an eight or nine, that could be a sign that maybe we jumped up too quickly or you're running the pace too quick. Um, if, and jumped up too quickly in terms of the mileage increase. Um, otherwise, the pace could be just too fast for you on that day, um, given the specific conditions that you're faced with. Um, if it's hot, and obviously um, right now in the summer, it's important that you slow down even, even more so than your easy pace uh, for some of these longer runs if you're not used to being out there that long. Yeah, definitely. Especially in that base building phase of the marathon where you're you're not really like in that peak um, training, you're just trying to get time on your feet and you're trying to increase that long run. It's really important to keep um, those long runs at an easy pace. And what that is going to look like is going to be over a minute per mile slower than what your marathon pace is. Um, even just for comparison's sake, last weekend I ran a marathon at 7.30 pace, but when I was in my buildup, like three three months out from the race, all of my long runs were in like the 8:45, 9:15 pace range. So it, it's gonna look a lot slower, and there's a reason for that. It's because your body has to build up um, the tolerance and the endurance to just go the distance. And then as you get closer to race day, you can add in um, maybe if it's appropriate some more of like the pace work and doing you know some intervals at marathon pace. Because once your body is used to the stress of just going the distance, then you can up that stress load a little bit more. But I do think it's really common for marathoners, even if you're an advanced marathoner, to go a little bit too fast on those long run days, just because um, going at that really slow pace can can be a challenge and it requires you to kind of be patient and really pull back. Um, and usually these are things you don't really realize until after the run is done, right? So it's really easy to go, oh, I'm going to go 30 seconds per mile slower than marathon pace. But then when you're done with the run, you probably are going to feel destroyed, especially if it's the first time your body has gone that distance. Um, it's really important to, to go at that appropriate pace. And I know there's a lot of temptations out there to kind of push it, but that would be kind of the number one thing that I would want to look at. Um, and then also just being aware that, you know, some, some people do prefer to have their rest day the day after a long run and there's nothing wrong with that. So maybe rearranging what your plan looks like. If you do need that extra day to recover, that's totally fine. Um, but also sometimes it's okay to do, um, a long run when you are a little fatigued. So Jason, when you're training yourself or when you're advising athletes, at what point do you think it's okay to some, for someone to do like an easy recovery run after a long run? And are there some things that people should be careful of? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, we consider so many factors like uh, weekly mileage, how many days a week they're running, um, how much of an increase in their long run are we building towards? And then I'll just start to introduce, you know, like a two or three mile run the next day um, and see how, they, see how they respond to it. And so it's kind of an individualized question for each athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, something else I thought of uh, when you're talking about just the pacing on the long run, um, most of us, we get so kind of jacked up for these workouts or harder sessions, right? And I think we view the long run so often the same way where we need to have a good breakfast. We need to kind of plan out ahead of time, like our fueling, our bathroom, all that. And then um, sometimes we find ourselves in the run and a mile or two into it, we hit this pace that maybe just feels feels good. And it's it's frankly a little too fast. And then our ego kicks in and we're like, well, I can't just like slow down now. I already ran this fast of a split. And so that's, I think, kind of what separates um you know, the people that are a little bit more serious that have that discipline, they're able to kind of make those adjustments throughout the run and slow down if they notice they're running a bit too fast. Yeah, definitely. I mean, what you do during that long run is kind of 
dictate a little bit of how you're going to feel the next day. And I think it's really important to realize slowing down is definitely going to be to your advantage um, in the long run because you're probably going to be able to handle maybe a little bit higher mileage. Maybe you're going to not be burnt out, you know, in two months when you're supposed to be peaking for marathon training. Um, The long run should feel pretty easy and the next day you don't want to be too destroyed where you physically don't feel like you could run um if you are in that camp maybe focusing a little bit more on fueling so making sure you're taking fuel every 30 to 45 minutes during that run making sure you're um, replenishing as soon as you're done making sure you're eating good nutrition and really taking care of all the little things. Um, One thing that really helps me to kind of bounce back after those longer effort runs is doing yoga. Um, You know, as I'm getting older, it's like I have to do yoga. I have to stretch out um, in order to not feel so stiff because that stiffness is really what will make me feel like I physically can't go out on runs. Um, So, you know, it's not necessarily going to make a huge difference in my running performance but if I don't feel as stiff um, I just feel better and then in turn my body performs better um, but then I also think doing those recovery runs it's really important to understand uh, you really got to go slow on those so if you're struggling to slow down the long runs it, it might also be a struggle for you to slow down on these recovery runs and I would rather have someone ear on the side of caution and just not do a recovery run the day after a long run um, if they're not going to be able to go like three minutes per mile slower than their 5k pace um, because it's all about just kind of that blood flow and like you were saying earlier sometimes just going on a walk is going to be just as advantageous um, and actually probably more beneficial because if your options are you're either going to go on your run at like marathon pace or go on a walk um, for a recovery it's going to be better for you just to go on a walk so do you have any last minute things to add to that question um, you know, not really, I guess just with long runs in general, um, you know, for me, it should never feel like, um, you, you would after a race, right. Where you just are taking so long to recover. And if it does, it's just a sign that you probably jumped up too quickly in your, in your, uh, mileage or in your, um, intensity during that run, because your body just wasn't quite ready to handle it. Um, and so obviously things that you can do are, you know, slower progression um incorporating strength training is going to be really key and and beneficial as you mentioned the yoga afterwards just to help um kind of get those muscles stretched out and feeling good right and it's always better to not overdo it right so some people maybe are frantically like oh my gosh chicago is three three months away basically now um so maybe you're grabbing like the nearest pdf plan on the internet and you haven't ran over eight miles in like two years and then well this training plan saying you got to do 14 so you make a happy medium and you jump up to 12 12 miles um going from an eight mile long run to 12 miles is a huge stress on the body and sometimes it's better to like err on the side of caution um, and to do a little bit less. So you don't want to like increase your weekly mileage by more than 10% and likely the same with your long run. You don't want to really increase that more than 10%. And if you do, it's probably going to be that added stress. So making sure that you're always kind of making those adjustments and not overdoing it is super key. Um, so diving into this next question, I know it's been really hot and everyone is talking about how the heat waves are coming and we all watch the Olympic trials and you can see just how hot it is this summer. And it's something that happens every year, but it never makes it easier to acclimate to the heat. It's always a really big shock on the body and everyone's body responds a little bit differently. Um, This individual did a half marathon. Um, It ended up being 80 degrees at the finish. And she just wanted to know like, how do I not feel dizzy after these super hot half marathons or any race for that matter? 
So when it's hot outside, your body does need to work a lot harder to stay cool. And that's just kind of the reality of things. So Jason, what are some of the tips that you've been telling your athletes over the summer? Because I know it's just something that comes up all the time as we're coaching runners. Yeah. You know, we talk a lot about pace adjustments, but I just think uh, running off effort is really the key because, um, you know, pace adjustments are good to think about for workouts and such, but really we want to be dialing into certain efforts to make sure that we're not overdoing it on our easy days. Um, and, you know, humidity, um, sun, heat, all of these things might affect each individual differently. Like for me, I, um, I might do pretty well in the humidity, but if it's just kind of hot and sunny, I may not do as well and that sort of thing. And, and obviously this will vary from athlete to athlete and depending on the distance that you're running that day. So, um, yeah, it's definitely an experience thing. I think the more time we can spend out there in those conditions, uh, your body will become better acclimated. And, you know, if you're jumping into a race that's in that, in an area where you do experience that heat, sometimes it is really hard to, um, keep your body, um, you know, cool. Right. And like you were saying, the heat acclimation and the more time that you can spend training in those elements, the better prepared that you're going to be when it comes to the race. Um, and just getting a little bit more background from the person who asked this question, she said that usually if it's, you know, above 70, she's going to take it inside to the treadmill or um, maybe like move around some of her long runs or workouts. And that's fine if that's um, the way that you want to train and you don't really plan on racing or doing hard efforts in the summer or during months where it could potentially be, you know, above 70 degrees on race day. But it's going to be really hard for someone who is expecting to go out and race in those type of conditions um, when you haven't put your body through the heat acclimation. And this becomes even important. Like we've done marathons coming from Minnesota and then going to these really like hotter environments where we haven't been exposed to temperatures above 20 degrees and then all of a sudden we're forced to run a marathon in like over 70 degrees full sun and no matter really what we're doing at home no matter how fit we are if we haven't done some sort of like heat acclimation where you're maybe running inside and then going um in a sauna and those sort of um activities you're really just gonna have to expect that things are not going to go great on race day in terms of um, the heat. So I always think it's better to train in those conditions so that your body can heat acclimate because that's really something that that does occur and you have to be putting your body um, into the elements in order to get the benefits from that. Otherwise, you're just kind of going out there and expecting your body to perform for something that it, it really hasn't been um, trained or adapted to do. Um, but like you said, adjusting the paces and making sure that you have that in mind when you're not expecting, it's not going to be a PR day, um, on, on those hot weather days. Sometimes it's just about completing the distance and making sure you're staying hydrated, staying cool. Um, if it's really sunny, maybe getting like a hat so that you're not fully in the sun, trying to run on the shaded parts of the course and those sort of things. Um, are there any experiences that you can share about, competing or racing in the heat um you know there's been a few times over the years where we've ran in conditions that wasn't quite prepared for or that were obviously hotter than i would have liked um a few that come to mind were um the la marathon and i think it was february um because you know we came from cold minnesota and we had to run in 70 degrees and it just became a little too hot at the end and luckily i felt like i was pretty fit and so i was able to kind of withstand the effects of the heat through about 20 miles or so but after that it was it was a struggle um and then the same thing boston that year was really hot and sunny and um just 
you know, something to keep in mind is obviously your, your hydration, your feeling, you need to be consuming more, um, electrolytes, more liquid than you would in, you know, a cooler, um, temperature day. Um, and then another, another kind of, uh, race example I have is every year in Minnesota, there's, uh, in July, it's usually one of the hottest Thursdays of the year. Um, it's a torchlight 5k and I've been doing it pretty much every year they have it. Um, and there's been years where it's been a hundred, hundred degrees or warmer. And so, um, what, what we notice about that time of year is, is, um, obviously you've been, you've already been running in, in the heat for a good month, if not more. And so it's not as um, detrimental or as hard to run through, especially for a 5k distance. Um, if you were to compare that to the half or the full, but, um, so just something to think about is it takes a lot, takes a lot of time. And then the distance that you're going to be training for as well. Um, the longer it is, I just feel like you you have more of a disadvantage in terms of, you know, reaching your potential. Right. Yeah. The torchlight race where it can be over a hundred degrees, it's definitely tough and you feel that it's hot, but like you said, after you have several weeks of acclimating to the heat, it never really feels as bad. And I know that's really the case with any, you know, races you're doing in July, August, September, late July, August, September, um, versus when it's May or June and all of a sudden you're hit with that one day where it's like super hot and humid, your body has just had no way to prepare for that. Um, and that's why I, from what I've observed, a lot of those races that take place in May or June, when they do have those odd years where it's super hot, um, it's a lot more like of a blow up situation for a lot of athletes versus, you know, later in the fall, like if it's a September marathon and it's hot, people are almost like prepared for that because they did long runs in the heat and whatnot. And just coming from the marathon that I did this past weekend, I felt pretty lucky that we did have a heat wave, um, when I was in peak marathon training. And so it started to get really hot here, um, a little bit early in Minnesota. And we had a few 90, hundred degree days. And there were some long runs that I had to do that where it was like 80 degrees and very humid. And it was good to have that heat acclimation because when race day came, it was in the upper sixties and a little humid. And so that actually felt cool compared to what I was used to. But there is something to be said about that heat acclimation because if I would have not had that experience of doing the longer runs in, you know, the humid weather or the heat, I know that I wouldn't have been able to perform and reach the time that I reached on race day. Um, so the heat acclimation is huge and it is okay to sometimes give your body the break and give yourself some grace during, during that time, but also understanding it, it does take that consistent training in the heat in order to get the benefits from it. Cause I know a lot of the posts that we were doing on social media, we were talking about, you know, the benefits of heat training and then in the fall, it'll be worth it. Um, but in order to really get those gains, you got to get out there and, and do some of the workouts in that unpleasant weather. Um, so Jason, do you have any words of wisdom when it comes to, you know, your 20 plus years of running experience? Um, what happens generally in the fall once you go to do some of these races? Yeah. You know, I've always just learned to kind of, um, you know, just suffer through the summer and, and not really count on trying to run any races where I expect a PR and just putting in the work. Cause I know that it's going to help you feel so much better in the fall when those temperatures do drop. Um, and so, or if you travel to a race, maybe where it's just a little bit cooler, um, you know, you can hopefully expect to feel better. And so just, um, you know, training, training, focusing on effort every day, just kind of doing the grind. And then hopefully, um, you know, reminding yourself like this will all pay off. It will be worth it in the fall. And, um, yeah, hopefully the performance, um, you get a good weather day in the fall and, 
uh, you can have a good race. Yes. And mm-hmm. it does really translate and, and being honest about your workouts, don't worry too much about like hitting your splits or hitting the same splits you used to be just really going more off effort. And later in the fall, the paces that we're feeling, you know, hard during intervals are going to be, you know, something easily you can do for like a tempo run. And it, it's really cool to see. Um, but it definitely does pay off. So just trusting the process, getting out there and getting it done. Um, that's kind of the best way and making sure you obviously stay hydrated, try to find some shade and uh, not overexert yourself when it comes to like what your um, performance and like the paces that you're hoping to run on race day. If it's going to be a hot day, definitely adjusting and going more off of effort and feel. So the third question that we had was, since a lot of the coaches have already accomplished a lot with their running, what are some of the future goals of the coaches? Um, And I can't speak for everyone because obviously it's just Jason and I on the podcast. But what I do know is, you know, we have a wide variety here, right? So we have some athletes who have already reached, you know, Olympic trials qualifier times and, you know, people who are professional runners and they're still striving to be the fastest that they've ever been in their 30s or as they're approaching 30. um, And they're just pretty much on the same trajectory they were 10 years ago right like they're always still improving they're still training at a really high level um there's also some of the coaches maybe uh ben and jason can speak a little bit more to this is that you guys are kind of in your mid to late 30s now and you ran competitively in high school and college um you guys have both been running for like 20 years so over half of your life um and i think that you guys have both set some of your you know, fastest times ever in the one mile and just like physiologically speaking is probably not going to happen again just because as you age, like that raw speed just isn't there. And since you guys got to such a high level in your 20s um, in the mile or whatnot, it would just be really hard for you to ever um, break the times that you set. And I know part of that can be kind of sad thinking about because that was, you know, like the glory days, right? It's like your fastest times. Um, but there's always new ways to challenge yourself. So I guess that you could speak a little bit to how you stay motivated over the years. Yeah, you know what? For running, it's always kind of been different seasons of life um, happen and, and your motivation, your um, the way you feel on your runs, all that can kind of change. And, you know, if you have injuries along the way, those things can obviously alter um, the trajectory of your fitness. And so I think for me, it's it's not it's trying not to compare myself to you know my PR days um, in certain events, um, but mainly just setting a goal to be better and striving to um, you know maybe do better than the previous year or the previous race, um, whatever that might be. Um, maybe changing the distance a bit, going after a new distance that I haven't done in a while. That can kind of spice things up, get me excited. Um, you know, I recently did a sprint triathlon, first one I did in many, many years, so that was kind of cool and exciting. So I think it's just finding ways to keep the excitement and the love of the sport. And, um, you know, obviously as we age, there's there's age group uh, goals and times that you could try to strive for. And, um, yeah, obviously, you know, with the, the thing with the marathon and even the half marathon is that you can achieve uh, personal bests, you know, well into your 30s and 40s. And so I think that's something that's definitely in the back of my mind. I'm sure it is in the back of Ben's mind as well. And so, um, you know, we, we totally understand that our 5K and our um, one-mile speed days are probably, probably behind us. But, um, you know, it's fun just like we were watching the trials. And I think it was just kind of fun to think back to those times. And, you know, you see these athletes in their 20s and the young kids who are qualifying for the Olympic team. And um, you're, you're just excited to just, you know, be, somehow still relive the memories and be a part of that. But 
um, just knowing life that running is a lifelong sport and there are other ways to um, kind of keep us engaged right mm-hmm. and that can be such a tough transition because I think one of the things that hooks people about running is seeing that you can shave time off and that you can become your best and that's like the main driving force for a lot of people until you know they reach a certain level in the sport maybe or when they reach a certain age um, whatever it may be they maybe have to come to terms with like okay like maybe that's not a sustainable way to stay motivated anymore and I know I kind of reached that point in my running career maybe like six seven eight years in um and it's hard to come to terms with that that like yeah you can train at a really high level but in order to continue to see improvements you're going to have to put in even more work try even harder and be even more consistent than you ever have been and just knowing what it takes to reach that next level um it can be a lot to kind of commit to and when you already feel pretty fulfilled with like what you've accomplished i think it can yeah it can be hard to try to reach that next level when it comes to um being the fastest you've ever been right so i think for a really long time i I had like these marathon goals or you know half marathon goals you always have like these time goals because you think that's what you need to do logically the next step but when you realize like, hey, that's actually like not really fulfilling for me. It's not really like making me happy. Um, I had to kind of switch like why I was running. And so I always go back to like, why do you run, right? So I always think exercise is an important part of living a healthy life. And I think a lot of runners are lucky and that they found something that they're relatively good at, they enjoy doing. And so really embracing that aspect of things and just understanding that you kind of have you kind of have it made when it comes to your health, right? A lot of people wish that they enjoyed doing something. A lot of people wish that they had something like us runners have with running um, where they're like addicted to it. They love going out there and doing it. So shifting the focus more towards, hey, I actually love doing this. How can I make it even more fun? Um, so for me, it's like, I want to do marathons in different States or maybe trying a new distance or just enjoying the process of doing workouts, um, without like strict time goals or like this strict deadline of you have to do, you know, this marathon on this date, just kind of being more loose with things and, and making it something where you, you're excited to get out and do the training. Um, cause you want to keep that excitement alive for the training, Um, and there's always new ways to challenge yourself. Like you said, trying a triathlon or doing a marathon in a different state, traveling for races, um, or just even volunteering, right? So if you're just not feeling it in this season, if you're running, maybe you volunteer at, you know, water stops, or maybe you go run with a friend or you run with, you know, a parent or someone who is new to the sport, you go out and you just kind of help spread, the community aspect of running in that way because I know you've done a lot of that where you like pace people at races um, just because that's more fulfilling to you than it would be to like do your own race because you're not in like the shape that you want to be to go out and compete yeah I definitely think there's that aspect of the the social and the community and you know when you're at these events um, you know I know recently we had the western states 100 miler and there's been some other races here in Minnesota some ultra races even bike races but just seeing kind of the pictures and and the the people posting about it on social media and even with the Olympic trials too I think just spreading so much um, so much joy around the sport right and the love of like uh, perseverance hard work um, knowing that athletes are you know, pouring sweat and tears and endless miles into their training. I think that that can just reignite some, sometimes reignite the passion that you may maybe have for the sport that kind of got lost along the way. And 
um, kind of opens up your eyes to the big picture that, you know, this is, this is for enjoyment, for physical health. It's not always about PRs and running certain times. Um, and so, yeah, I think you brought up a lot of good points, Victoria. Right, definitely. <clears throat> and it isn't all about time goals. And I think that maybe is what gets a lot of us into the sport. It hooks us. Um, and it becomes really about like ourselves and like how fast we can become, but to really reach kind of like that next phase in your running, it might be, how can I help other people or how can I get other people involved or get other people excited? And maybe that means you're pacing someone in a race. Um, I remember when I paced my mom to her first half marathon when she was in her fifties as a cancer survivor. I mean, that was really cool. And like, that's a memory I'm not ever going to forget with my running um whereas like some of like the 5ks I did where you know whatever like I I don't remember all the races I've done right or even some of the marathons they kind of like all blend together or like fade but when you do something unique and different um it's something that kind of is a lasting memory and I think it makes more of an impact maybe on the other person as well as on yourself because they always say like giving back you know it's like just as good for you as it is for the person who's receiving whatever you're giving So the next question that we have is about run walking um, and the easy pace. So I feel like this one is a little hard to talk about. So it says for run walks, if your easy pace is X, does it mean that your run portions are X or does it mean that your total pace for the whole run walk is X? So I want to use an example to kind of explain this because I think it can be a little confusing wording wise. Um, so let's say Sally runs 10 minute pace for a 5k. That means her 5k race pace is 10 minute pace. So 10 minute pace for her is not an easy effort at all. Um, that is as fast as she can run physically for 3.1 miles. It's a hard effort, right? So 10 minute pace is hard. So we never want to run hard on our easy days ever, right? So if she is going out on an easy run and she, she wants to keep her average pace for this easy run two to three minutes per mile slower than what her 5k PR or 5k pace is. Um, so she's going to be going about 12 to 13 minute pace and that's for an easy run. So 12 to 13 minute pace. Um, if she takes some walks during this run, like she walks up a hill or something, we're still going to keep the running portions of that run at at least a 12 minute pace or slower. We're not going to like speed up and and try to make up for lost time. If you stop to walk during a run, you stop to walk. You don't need to like speed up to try to average it out. So it's the right pace. Um, you always want to be keeping the easy portion, the run portions of an easy run at an easy pace. Um, because if you did end up doing it the other way, right? So if you are, doing the run portions of an easy run at 10 minute pace, well, look at what you're doing. You're running at your 5K pace, which we would define that as a workout day. So that's a hard effort. You're doing an interval workout if you're running faster than your easy pace for run portions on a run walk. Um, And I know there can be a little bit of a debate. Well, oh, like, you know, it's different for slower runners or, you know, I've, I've heard things like that before. So Jason, what... What is kind of your go-to? I'm sure that you've heard people say, well, I, I can't slow down or I can't run that slow, like 12, 13 minute pace for running. It just, it's a really slow pace maybe for this person who's always used to going 10 minute, 10, 30 pace on all of their runs. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's such an individual thing to figure out, right? Because each, you know, you explained it perfectly with the 10 minute pace example. Um, I would agree it's, it's um, important to find that walk to run ratio. Um, 
that is going to fit for that athlete where they feel like they can sustain the easy pace. And then uh, maybe, maybe it's like two to one or it's like five to one. Right. So, um, you're going to, you're going to run it to make it harder. Maybe it, you might even do like eight to one. Right. So you might have them run at eight minutes at their easy pace. Um, and then they, you know, can enjoy that one minute walk break. So I think it'll just really depend on their background, what they've done for training. And sometimes it can take time to adjust to the new, the new way that, you know, we want to set them up for success in the future. And so, um, you know, we could maybe just introduce the, the walk ratio on some of their workout days, um, for starters, and that, that could be a way to kind of make it feel, you know, a little bit easier to implement. Um, so I think it is, it's just such a unique um, concept and it's, it's something that um, needs to be tailored to each individual accordingly. Yeah, definitely. And it, it depends on your goals long term and stuff. So if you're someone who wants to continue run walking and, and keep doing that ratio and your 5Ks have been done with, you know, some of the run walks, then you can maybe dive in a little bit deeper and say, OK, like what pace were you going for, like the run portion of that 5K? You know, like what did your intervals look like? And then tailor it a little bit more specifically. Um but if you're someone who maybe wants to like work their way out of run walks and, and move more towards continuous running with like minimal stops or like five second, you know, walk breaks, um, you're probably going to want to move more into this methodology of getting used to running that 12, 13 minute pace. And although it probably will feel very slow, um, compared to what you're used to, that's normal, right? So easy running is going to feel a little bit different and it's going to feel almost like painfully slow more so mentally than physically um your form's going to feel a little bit different and things like that but it is physically possible to run at those paces um i i've ran a half marathon at 12 45 pace before and that was not a walk for me right um it's physically possible to slow to slow down um even if you're you know 5k pace is way faster um so it's just more about getting used to doing it and allowing yourself that grace of, you know, it, it might feel a little weird and leaning into the process um, and understanding, uh, you know, keeping the hard days hard and the easy days easy, I think definitely goes hand in hand with that. So if you're going out on your easy runs and it feels super easy, just think about, you know, what you're going to feel like on your workout days. So you want to really focus on, okay, on my workout day, I want to feel really strong and I'm going to be able to like really bring it on my workout and, and run those fast paces for sure. Cause I think as soon as you start to polarize that training, that's when people can really lean into those easy days and they embrace them with open arms. So the next question is about transitioning from 5k, 10k training to marathon training. So this athlete set a big 5k PR. She's in her forties. You know, she took her 5k time from 23 minutes to 22 minutes, and she is super pumped with her newfound speed. But as she's moving into marathon training, she's a little worried that she's going to like lose that speed, um, as she, you know, increases mileage and starts working more towards endurance. And she wants to know like what she can do during the base building phase of marathon training to maintain that speed. And I guess I will have Jason kind of kick things off with this because you have a lot of experience working with people in the 5k, 10k distance, um, with your cross country and track background. And I know that you have heard the myth of like, you know, if you jump up in distance, um, that you're going to like lose all your speed and all that stuff. So what is your advice for this person? You know, there's a lot of different ways to tackle this one. And um, you know, obviously, depending on the amount of time that you have until your marathon, that's going to play a huge role, right? Because if we're talking 
um, 14 we weeks versus 24 weeks, that gives us a lot, a lot of uh, leeway. Um, and so I guess I would start with, if you're coming off a 5K, 10K, you know, good training cycle, and you got a, a marathon here in about four months, which is pretty typical, like 16 weeks, um, the, the number one thing we want to start doing is kind of building that long run, right? So we don't need to make any drastic changes right away with your workouts. Um, on that side, I would make sure, you know, if you're doing a lot of like shorter intervals, I would start to just increase the length of the intervals and then you could maybe drop and do less repetitions. So if you're used to doing like eight, 400s, for example, um, we might do like five by 800 the next week and then we might do 1200s the following week and or mile repeats, that sort of thing. And so you're starting to kind of um, get get away from doing those shorter, faster intervals. Now you can still incorporate strides um, before, after those, um, or the day before. And so you, there's still an opportunity there to focus on kind of sharp sharpening and running fast, but um, we're not gonna be doing it to the extent that we were. Yeah, definitely. That's a really good answer. And, and keeping those strides in for sure can be huge um, in terms of just like tapping into that raw speed, making sure we're still using the speed that we we have. Um, and then one thing that really came to my mind was the strength training too. Um, I know during marathon training, it's just such a different stress on the body and oftentimes runners can lose strength if they're not um, working on actively maintaining it or even building it during marathon training. Um, and so it's really important to keep, keep up with the strength training and trying to do that on those hard days so that you can fully recover um, on the days in between. But it's, it's so critical that marathoners do strength training and continue to keep that up twice a week. Um, so that they do have the strength to run at those faster paces because a lot of what it is is you you need to have the strength to carry you to those fast finishes right if you've ever watched the finish of you know a 5k or any any race for that matter you see athletes really having to muscle through um, and push and have power and so that's what lifting can really help you you do. Um, but there's also that whole aspect of marathon training. I think I can kind of relate to where this person is coming from, um, because the workouts are totally different, right? So you're not doing any of those awesome, like two minute interval sessions or track workouts where you're really going anaerobic. Um, so it, it's a little different and you may actually feel like, you know, you're losing speed and that doesn't necessarily mean that just cause you feel like you are, that you actually are. Um, cause in marathon training, when you're increasing your weekly mileage and your legs are super fatigued and you just got done with a 20 mile long run and you go out to do your recovery run the next day, you feel very slow. I mean, I can attest to that. I just got done with marathon training and I, there were days where I was just, I felt so slow but it's because of all the fatigue that are in your legs. And typically what happens is once you start tapering, it's like, oh, now, now your legs have a little bit more of that bounce to them. And there's like that rhyme and reason, obviously you want to be prepared for the marathon because at the end of a marathon, your legs are gonna be really, really fatigued. Um, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you're losing speed if you don't like feel fast all the time or if you pretty much never feel fast during marathon training unless you're like doing a workout. Um, I think that can be pretty common for people. Um, do you ever have athletes that are worried about this or have you ever had an athlete that actually like runs a 5k PR mm. unintentionally during marathon training? Cause that's something that is actually really common. Um, from my coaching experience, at least I've had a handful of athletes do that. Yeah. Um, well, you know, fortunately I haven't had many athletes who are concerned about losing speed. You know, they kind of understand, um, you know, if they're going to jump up to run a half or a full, that that's kind of their main focus. Uh, but I have had athletes do very well and surprise themselves during during those training cycles if they hop in something a little bit shorter like the 5k um, and so 
I think, like you said, um, just because you're not doing those specific speed workouts doesn't mean you're that doesn't mean you're going to lose as much speed as you think. And when we still think about the 5K, you know, it's like 98% aerobic. So, um, you know, yeah, if you run a 400, your speed might be a little different. But for the 5K or 10K, like you're still going to be able to bring it. And um, you know, for the occasional um, or for m- most of my athletes in their marathon training, you know, we'll still throw in that occasional like fart lick, which gives them an opportunity to run. Um, you know, for a minute or two at a fast pace. I know you did a workout a couple weeks before your marathon. I think it was like 12 by a minute. So, um, you know, as long as you're still doing kind of a variety of workouts and you're not just always running marathon pace, I think that you don't really have to be as concerned. Yeah, definitely. And I love how you said that like 89% or whatever of the 5K, 90% of the 5K is aerobic. And this is totally anecdotal, but our one of our coaches here is a professional runner, um, Brianna Siraki. She is like a 15, 30-ish uh, 5Ker. And her coach, because she, she has a coach, she's like on a professional team, and the coach really wants them, when they're training for a 5K specifically, she said that they start their season with this like big aerobic engine. So they, they were doing more of like half marathon and like higher mileage. And then as the five carries approached, they were kind of like gonna go towards more of the shorter distance um, training. But the idea there is that when you have like a really strong aerobic engine, um, then you can really tackle any anything in the 5K, right? So you do still have to have that aerobic base um, when it comes to 5K. And then just a couple weeks of sharpening, you can really nail um, that anaerobic portion of the race. Um, so there's just different philosophies out there. And I definitely think that there is something to be said about, you know, some, sometimes athletes do end up running a 5k PR within marathon training, um, almost accidentally because they, like you were saying, they don't really feel like they're fast and, um, it's really not expected. They go into the the race, almost hoping it'll be a workout. And then they realize like, wow, okay, the 5k is a little bit more aerobic than I thought. And maybe I am a little faster than I thought. Um, especially if they go into it maybe with a little bit of a, a cutback week or a reduction in mileage um, and their legs don't feel as heavy. But definitely um, some things to think about. And then also after your marathon training is done, it's also cool to try to transition back into um, maybe like a 5K, 10K training after your recovery period just so that you're always um, kind of varying things and making sure you're staying sharp um, and not always staying on that marathon training hamster wheel because I think um, that that can be a culprit of some people losing a little bit of that speed as if you know they're doing marathon training cycle after marathon training cycle um, for years on end and never never doing um, any of those track workouts or anything um, as an alternative during any other season yeah to add to that too when you're doing those longer training cycles um, for me I think I, I become better at pacing um, just pacing in general like even easy runs paying attention to just keeping the effort easy or just running like slight progressions um, especially on long runs because I feel like that can go a long ways for improving confidence and so when you do jump in that 5k 10k I feel like if you approach the race the right way and you kind of pace it um, you know smart you're going to be surprised to feel good the second half of the race yeah, definitely. Great advice. And the the two distances, they really like work off each other, right? So the shorter distance races and the long distance races, they both are majority aerobic. And so they're really utilizing the majority of the same system. Um, and it just comes down to like those little things here and there and making those tweaks. And then just um, making sure you're staying positive mentally too, because if you're saying like, oh, I'm losing all my speed, like I don't feel fast, um, that that's 
is, you know, part of uh, training is, is mental. So just remembering that you still have that speed. And then when you're doing those strides, um, looking at the pace and be like, yeah, I still am fast. And, and just reassuring yourself that the speed is still there. Um, it just might take a little bit of uncovering and tapering to, to really let it um, shine through. So if you guys are ever interested in having a training plan or working with a coach or having your questions answered, because I know there are so many questions out there and sometimes it's just so specific to the individual that it's really nice to have that one-on-one interaction with a coach to have your questions answered and to have training that's tailored to your background and goals. We would love to get to know more about you and help you out with training. And if you fill out the form on our website, www.runforprs.com, we can always get you started on a free seven-day trial so you can see kind of what our training is about and what our coaching philosophy is about. We pair you up with a coach. You get to experience everything for seven days for free. And again, that's www.runforprs.com. Just check it out and see if it's something that you're interested in. We'd love to get more about you and just work with you towards your running goals. So thanks for tuning in.